Thanks for joining us in the coffee shop again. I'm Tom D'Antoni. As usual, we're at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason in Portland, Oregon. With me today is someone you've probably been reading for, well, decades. He's best known as a jazz journalist, but he's also known for recording pieces he's written to the accompaniment of some of our greatest jazz musicians. He's Lynn Darrock. He's also a KMHD stablemate of mine, and for a while we were both in the hunt for assignments at the Oregonian. He has a new book on the way. It's called Rhythm in the Rain, Jazz in the Pacific Northwest. We'll hear him read from it. Next time, Darka Dusty will be paying a visit to the coffee shop. She's multi-talented, and we'll find out what all of them are. Well, maybe. Right now, let's meet Lynn Derrick, shall we? Welcome to the cupping room. That's what this is. Oh, yes. Well, good. Thanks, yes. Tom. It's great to be here. That's Thank a, you. That, that's a coffee shop term, cupping room. All right. Well, yes. I didn't they, know it, but they, they, they do I've things. heard of cupping. Yeah, but they, they do things with those in here. And always, generally always, somebody either thinks it's Chinese medicine or sexual. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, here we are, two writers. Yes, indeed. Why, this should be really boring. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we've distilled everything down to a few precise words, Tom. At least it's better than, than doing, a, a, doing a TV story on a writer. That is impossible. I tried to do one on Richard Goldstein one time. Mm -hmm. Richard Goldstein? Is that his name? The detective the, the, guy no, from no, Portland? No, no, no. no. Uh, 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 um, Meltzer. Richard Meltzer. You know Meltzer? Oh, Meltzer, yes. Yeah. You know, he, I guess he's still in Portland. Mm -hmm. One of the five original rock critics, you know, him and Tachis and, and uh, Chris Gow and Marcus and all those guys. Uh, and he was absolutely um, convinced that I could never do, I could not do a good st a TV story on him. And it's hard to do a story on a writer because what do you got? Whatever they say, they should be full of words. That, no, but TV's a visual Oh, media. well, of course. But good thing <laughs> we're not. Uh, you, you, got, know, you know and, the joke oh, Tom Face made for yes. radio. <laughs> <laughs> and all you got is like, you know, somebody sitting at the, at the keyboard. <laughs> you know. Anyway, so I think, but he was actually happy with what we did. So we don't have to worry about that. Good. No, <laughs> we're just here and no one will see us. Yes. <laughs> That's the beauty of radio, too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Were, were, did, were you doing radio before KMHD? No, no. In fact, I've only been doing radio for seven years, so I'm a rank amateur compared to professionals like yourself. Yeah, yeah. They brought both of us in over there right, right around the same time. 2008. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. When it was still out at Mount Hood. Uh -huh. Yes, and no one was running the station. It was <laughs> rudderless at that point, let's say. But, you know... Um, I've I've always loved radio. I could tell yeah. you a little story about why I love radio. Go ahead. How about that? Yeah. Um, it's all because of Uncle Bob's squirrel cage. <laughs> yes, that's right. It all started when I was in first grade, and every morning I'd march around the kitchen table listening to Uncle Bob's squirrel cage on the radio, just like Mom told me to. Wait until the marching song's over, she'd say, and then it's time to leave for school. Don't be afraid. Just listen to Uncle Bob and March until it's time to go. And so they'd leave for work, 
And I'd march every day with Uncle Bob, who played his theme song at the same time always. And I wasn't afraid, left alone for what seemed like hours, because Uncle Bob was with me, and I could count on him, and every morning, listening to his voice, I'd enter his little theater of the mind, his voice inside my head. So every morning there I'd be marching in Uncle Bob's squirrel cage until <laughs> the song was over and I'd march right out the door on my way to school. <laughs> That's why I love radio. And you know, in thousands, and you might have been one of these, uh -huh. of small towns across America in those days before the moving image, yes. damn TV, took over completely, <laughs> countless Uncle Bobs were given rhythm to our lives and safe haven for those in need. And all together, we were marching in Uncle Bob's squirrel cage every day all across the USA. <laughs> <laughs> is that from and your new book? And it's true. Is that from your new book? No, it's not. But oh. <laughs> my new book's called Rhythm in the Rain, and uh, yeah. it's not about me. It's uh -huh. about jazz in the Pacific Northwest. Is that, from, is that from a book? No, it's just one of the stories that I uh -huh. tell, uh, uh -huh. usually with music. I like to uh -huh. do that one with the yeah. Art Blakey Blues March. Oh, nice. Which about nice. is is about as close as my memory gets to what I had heard <laughs> when I was six years old. Yeah, you know, I, I had uh, I was greatly influenced by um, a couple of a couple of people on the radio also, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I always say that if I could uh, if I had had my choice, I'd have just I'd have just played music on the radio my whole career, huh. and the hell with the rest of it, and not go to TV. Huh? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I just I was very very I, I I was I always say I never met a mic I didn't like. <laughs> that's good. And that's um, good. Uh, as a matter of it's coincidence that you should you should you should uh, talk about uh, Uncle Bob, because last week on my KMHD show, um, I played the Madison, which yeah. was a, a, a dance in the in the fifties, right? And and then I played uh, a a parody of the Madison that had been recorded by one of my favorite morning DJs, or my favorite morning DJ, when I was about six or seven years huh. old, a guy named Jack Gale, and, and, and it was called The Medicine. And, and, and if you remember, in the original Madison, there was a guy giving directions about yes, what to do next. how to do, yeah, the and moves. And matter of fact, uh -huh. that was a guy named Eddie Morrison, who was also a Baltimore DJ. And, <laughs> um, uh, and, and instead of giving dance directions, Jack Gale gave told people to take certain patent medicines. <laughs> you know. That's good, yeah. They could drift stand powder and I'd do this. And, you know, it was, anyway, so it was very funny when I was a little kid, and it's actually still kind of funny. But, yeah, you know, those things stay with you. They just stay with you. Well, absolutely. You know, yeah. one of the thesis of my book is that the landscape and the kind of communities that grew up in this landscape here have shaped the kind of music and well, shape the kind of musician, yeah. and that, of course, in jazz is reflected in how and what they play. Uh -huh. So, I, you know, you growing up in Baltimore, clear on the other coast, yeah. a very different, a very different place I'll, I'll from say. out here. <laughs> You've been here a long time. Yeah, a lot of musicians have moved here. You know, starting uh, yeah. in the '40s, and yeah. uh, well, actually, in the teens when uh, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, grandparents were stranded in Seattle when their vaudeville troupe broke <laughs> up and that's how Jimi Hendrix came to be born and grow up in Seattle. <laughs> anyway, so you know the people have come here but those who stayed 
are the ones this place really appealed to. It's isolated. Uh -huh. It's far from the centers of power, and you're not likely to become nationally famous if you stay. Yeah in the Pacific Northwest. And a lot of people have come here and found it congenial. I, th I think of Bill Frizzell yes. up in Seattle. And, right. and I think since he came in 89, I think, um, you know, that's a, that's what, how many years is that now? <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, and so I believe that it's changed his music to be here. I think his, his lines have, his playing has become more spare. Oh yeah, and uh, and I think yeah. that it kind of fits in. Uh, you could see this kind of thing in the in a group of painters they called the Northwest Mystics mm -hmm. in the 30s and 40s, and uh, while the New York art world was going strong on abstract expressionism, they were doing something more with content uh -huh. uh, here, and were heavily influenced by Asia. And I've always felt that. Um, Portland and Seattle and the other deep water ports of the Pacific Northwest are really have are facing Asia and have more connection to LA and San Francisco and Alaska than to the east coast of the US and uh, so we're fairly isolated here and the landscape people who come here like it you know they like to be in this kind of a place they've used to think it was a good place to raise a family not sure <laughs> anymore, but when you compare it to the Lower East Side of Manhattan, you know, it yeah. certainly is a better place. Yeah, well, nobody can afford to live on the Lower East Side of Manhattan anymore. <laughs> no, and, and you see, one of the things Worst that drew artists to Portland in the yes. past was its uh, uh, low cost of living and affordable housing. Right. Right. Now, Seattle has lost that completely. You know, wow, Seattle is, is now... Yeah, uh, the land of giants and yeah. uh, Portland. There's used to be the idea that small was beautiful here. Not anymore. It's changing. It's changing no, it's, a I lot. I think it's changed. It has changed. It's over. It yeah, it's I like the it parts per million of uh, right. carbon monoxide in the atmosphere and, is the and, tipping point. And I think the whole keep Portland weird thing is over too. I don't think Portland's weird any, anymore. I was talking to Extremo the Clown the other day. Yeah. I ran into <laughs> now him. Now there's a guy who knows the weird side. And he has stopped driving around in his crazy, crazy machine oh. with his little puppets. He doesn't do it anymore. Because? I guess it. Uh, he doesn't. Maybe he's just finished with it. Uh -huh. Maybe he's not getting the response anymore. But that's that's like that was so indicative to me of the of how you know yeah. Portland is not is not is not the place. Certainly, is not the place I moved to in '97. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Are you from here? Uh, yes, from the Pacific Northwest. Where? Yeah. Well, I uh, was born in Vancouver, spent my first ten huh. years there, uh -huh. and then I lived in Corvallis until I was 18. Wow. Went to Lewis and Clark College before I went back east for grad school. Hmm. So, and then I came back here in the mid seventies. Uh huh. And that was that was the all back to the land time, and yeah. that drew a lot of people to the area. Yeah. And I built a house up in the gorge, and uh -huh. uh, and uh, lived up there. We called ourselves Gorge Rats, <laughs> and because uh, we were living on commodity food and uh -huh. uh, little jobs we could get, wow. you know picking ferns in the forest for the forest. Yeah, damn hippie. No kidding, yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Uh, uh, counting fish at the dam. Wow. And all those little things there. And uh, and riding into town with uh, my friend Larry Whitney, who was a drummer in, uh, in mm -hmm. a jazz band. And uh, that was the time of the heyday of the jazz query. 
the late 70s and early 80s and uh, the jazz quarry was on Jefferson where now Sky Place, a condo building, is going up. Jeez. They named it after Eddie Weed's trio, the Sky Trio, that used to be the house band at the Jazz Quarry. That's and I mean, the, the history here is great, and one of the things that's nice about um, the Pacific Northwest uh, approach to jazz is it still honors its history. I mean, we can get mm -hmm. into the fact that as Barra Brown says, it's actually the worst thing we could do to tell people we're a jazz band these days. I know. But <laughs> nevertheless, you know, those who are playing it, Christopher Brown, you know, he's <coughs> certainly connected up with the history through mm -hmm. his father. Absolutely. Who, you know, was raised himself by those older men on Williams Avenue yeah. who were here yeah. in yeah. the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And, yeah. and so before the Jazz Quarry was the Jazz Quarry, it was another club called the Mural Room, <laughs> and uh, Mel Brown had his first professional job there at age 17. Playing behind a stripper? Playing, the strippers were one of the acts. I heard, uh -huh. I, I've heard that story. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Marianne Mayfield, a bass, singing bass player, was, uh -huh. uh, his, uh, was the leader of that band. <laughs> and uh, in it was a famous uh, Portland piano player named Julian Henson, uh -huh. who actually, when he lived in Seattle in the late 30s, early 40s, taught Jimmy Rolls. Really? Yeah, and so wow. you kind of see, I mean, a lot of famous people came from here, Mildred Bailey, Bing yeah. Crosby, yes. Quincy Jones, yep. Yep. Ray Charles spent two years in Seattle, very mm -hmm. formative years, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. as he said, in Seattle I became a man. <laughs> 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 so, uh, you know, this has a, been a really rich place for yeah. the music, uh, but it's changing, as you say. Absolutely, yeah. Fast. Yeah, it's, it's uh, th there, there was a time, and I guess it's still to a certain degree, because um, I, I, I'm, uh, 2016 will be my 19th year here. Yeah. So I mean, I, I do. I, I have some perspective, not as not, not as long as yours, but um, but it seemed like um, a, a lot of the greatest players didn't play here very much. They got they made their money on the road. The greatest players who lived here. You yes. Mean, who lived who here. have lived here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or they came here with their reputations intact, yes. like Leroy yeah. Vinegar. Right. Uh, he right. didn't tour after he moved to Portland. Right. Uh, and, but he he discovered. I think he was coming. He he felt he was coming to a place where the air was cleaner, mm -hmm. and he could have a time to work on his memoirs in a kind of extended, relaxed retirement. Yeah. But then he found a whole <laughs> rejuvenated career right. here. Right. And he became. The, the revered elder yep. uh, of a large group of people, yep. including Alan Jones. And, and, and his, it's funny, it's, how, it's funny how he touched so many people outside of jazz. There was a guy well, here. The comic book, the Pander Brothers made that wonderful right. yeah. uh, graphic illustrated yeah. uh, magazine yeah. Yeah. about Leroy. Yeah. And um, there, was a, there was a cat here named uh, Pete Ho, who also who changed his name to Pete Miser, uh, oh. because you can't you really can't be in a hip hop band with a name Ho. Right, okay, you just can't. And he had a band here called Five Fingers of Funk. Yes, uh -huh. and he moved to New York. And, Remember that and band? He moved to New York and, and has, has done very very well for himself. But I ran across in a Goodwill in a Goodwill the other day an LP, um, which I it looked like it was done just around the time he moved to New York or just after he moved to New York. 
in which he sampled Leroy Vinegar in a hip hop in a hip hop <laughs> tune. Good. And was proclaiming it. You know, proud yeah. of it. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. So. You know, <laughs> yes, yes, that's true, and uh, and uh, others have come here and had a big impact on the local scene. Dave sure. Frischberg also. I mean, uh, yeah. he was kind of jump started Rebecca Kilgore's uh-huh. uh, national uh-huh. visibility, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, there, he, there are many others, of course, and yeah. uh, most recently uh, George Colligan has right. stirred up a lot of activity, and yep. Daryl Grant before him. Mm-hmm. And so it's drawn people who who had strong uh, reputations yep. and and uh, but they fit right in. Yeah. Others have come and didn't stay long. Jessica Williams stayed right. three four years. Right. Uh, I knew her when she was in Baltimore. Oh well, yeah. that was way back. Way yeah, back. yeah, that's, that's where she grew up as well. Yeah, yeah. and then um, uh, Andrew Hill. Who was right. th- who was at PSU right. before Daryl Grant came? Andrew yeah. stayed only four years and yeah. uh, didn't ever feel like he he fit in here and went back to New York and yeah. his career blossomed over again. Yeah, and, uh, when yeah. he went back there, well, that's so that's that's it that's isn't for everybody. Quincy Jones couldn't wait to get out of Seattle, <laughs> really. And Ernestine Anderson kept coming back. <laughs> She's there still. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a special place that attracts a certain kind of person and retains people who mm-hmm. who were born and raised here. And yeah. I was stay. shocked when I found out that Glenn Moore d- no longer lives in Portland. Well, I was too uh, shocked. As mm-hmm. <laughs> one guy, I, I I figured he was in it for you know for you know, until the end. Well, he's lived a lot of places. He lived in New yeah. York City. Spe- right. Speaking of a crack-infested neighborhood yes. in the Lower East Side, he lived on a farm <laughs> out in Salettes, Oregon, uh-huh. near uh-huh. the coast, and uh, he may be back. Well, you never know. Yeah, you know. He's and on and a Glenn working, is Glenn on a working is a ranch. He's he's living on a working ranch. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding you. In hmm. in 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 Arizona. Well, you know, I saw some <laughs> photos on Facebook that featured Glenn in one of those community centers with a whole bunch of gray-haired folks <laughs> having a potluck meal. And I thought, wow, this looks like the senior community <laughs> where my aunt and uncle lived in Arizona. So uh, I didn't get that impression. I talked to him on the phone a little bit. He's going to do one of these coffee shop conversations. Oh, good, good. Uh, well, eventually. You know, his wife, Samantha, is, yeah. uh, is kind of a horse and dog whisperer yeah. sort of person. Yeah, and yeah. I can see that would suit her. I didn't get a chance to ask him if he's if 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 he, if, if if Oregon is still together, or anything. You know, I, I mean, would. Well, uh, people have referred to these as his post Oregon years. I know that, but, but does that mean post Oregon the band years or post living in Oregon <laughs> yeah, years? That's, you know, that's right. That's the question. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. you know that band is another example. When their music came out, as Glenn said, when I asked him, do you think the landscape and growing up here influenced you and Ralph? And he said, people have written Ph.D. theses about that. Really? Yeah. I'm I'm not surprised. Yeah. So, I mean, they're another band that really captured the feeling of the 70s in this part of the world, I think. You know, I I was always an enormous fan of Oregon, Mm -hmm. back before I even moved here. and. Because I mean, I, I remember um, uh, going to see them in the in the 70s, when I was I was uh, working uh, on a TV show for Maryland Public Broadcasting called The Critics Place, and we went out and shot them a little bit, and 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 then uh, he and I got high during the break, and <laughs> um, 
and then when I when I moved here, I mean, oh my God, I, I, I you know, I, I got to know him a little bit, and it was, I was, I, I've never lost the fan part. Ah, well, me. that's wonderful. Even yeah. though you're a professional yeah. in the field, yeah. uh -huh. I just have never lost the fan part of that, especially with. with great artists yes you know? well it's hard not to and, be a fan and so it was you know it was it was wonderful to you know to, to get to know him a little bit and i i i and one 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 day i was sitting down we were doing a formal interview and he gave me what i think is probably the secret of oregon which was and i'm sure you you've heard the same thing that ralph that he and ralph and ever and the other members of the band wanted to make music as beautiful as Bill Evans. Uh -huh. Bill Evans was the whole key to Oregon. Well, I'm not surprised now that you tell me, although yeah. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, but, but I was course, shocked. Uh -huh. I mean, it, 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 you know, like the universe came into alignment. You uh -huh, know? Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I thought that was, that was fascinating because uh, you can, I mean, you, you can hear it. Yes, uh, yes. So especially uh -huh. in Ralph Tyler's Very lyrical. Not, yes. not uh -huh. so much in 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 um, in, in Glenn's because Glenn tends to be a little little a little more boisterous. He's boisterous and yeah. perhaps more humorous than Bill well, ever that's, was. That's true. <laughs> but true. you know when Glenn plays the piano. Yeah. And as you yeah. can hear on his latest uh, duo uh -huh. CD with Dave Friesen. Friesen. Yeah. Um, you know Glenn sounds like a different person. Oh, he does absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know, maybe that brings out the Bill Evans of, of him. <laughs> um, so, uh, when did you start writing about music? I think it was the, it was the late seventies. I got an opportunity. Uh -huh. There was a guy in town named Rick Mitchell, uh -huh. another writer, uh, who was at the time editing the Jazz Scene magazine, uh -huh. and uh, he invited me to write something. I can't remember how I how he. Anyway, I did. Oh, maybe I wrote something for the Clinton Street Quarterly, and he, he saw that. But anyway, then uh, I remember one of my earliest uh, subjects was Oboati and his uh -huh. uh, kind of jet age uh, yeah. uh, Afro beat band Kukrudu yeah. in, in the late seventies, and so I started doing that. And you know, basically, I, all along I thought I would be writing the great American novel. Really? And I was writing short stories. I was uh -huh. edited a literary magazine for a number of years uh -huh. in the 70s. And so uh, I, I began to realize that when I'd send a short story out, then I'd, maybe it would be published six months to a year later. And yeah. And maybe 30 people would read it. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'd forgotten about it. And... And I realized once I got a chance to write for uh, newspapers and magazines, yeah. that 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 instant instant gratification oh, of yeah. seeing your work in print was really what I liked. Yeah, that was it's <laughs> it was terrific. Uh, and and the and the the downside of that, they throw it away the next day. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, that's I've always uh, remember the time I went over to visit a friend, and he had a finch named Pete. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's Somebody coming, shit right? on your story. So I'm looking there at Pete <laughs> and what's in the bottom of his cage, but my precious words. That's so funny. Covered with bird shit. But, but I think that's, uh, it's like radio. Yes. You know, it's, it's gone yes. at the moment yes. it's played. Yeah. It's like jazz. Yeah, exactly. It's and, and I think, you know, we, we focus on the artifact of jazz, the CD, the preservation, yeah. the recording, but... Yeah. But really, if you're a 
a player, then what you do is you come and you play and you move on, and yeah. it's always different. Yeah. And yeah. so there, there was that attraction too that uh-huh. that you've done it and now it's gone. Whereas with this book, you know, you you're right. proofreading it 800 times yes. and you yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> and and you know that writing for newspapers and magazines made me a much better writer oh, than yeah. I would have been if I had yeah. if I had been out there trying to write novels Absolutely. and stories right. because it forced me to think about the reader and it forced me mm-hmm. to be concise and mm-hmm. we used to complain about our editor you know cutting us off at the knees and well, of such course. but <laughs> now that we've been editors yes. ourselves we realize why that's so important well i put i put the you know actually i put those lessons um uh into practice a, a, a lot uh mostly because uh, it doesn't matter how long or how long a piece is online. It really yes, of doesn't. course, it's it different really now. It really doesn't. So it was it was uh, wonderful for me to be able to bestow the gift of length on on, on my writers. Yeah, you know? that's true. Because uh-huh. uh, you know, as, as you may remember, in, at the Oregonian, we, when we were very active at, at that paper, yeah, the it, 90s. it kept getting shorter and shorter. Yes, and shorter absolutely. And, shorter. and you were lucky if you could get five hundred words. You know. Well, actually, yeah, four hundred and twelve. Yeah. <laughs> was what exactly what I was shooting for. Now, uh, when did you start at the Oregonian? Well, I started writing for their, what they had was a Northwest magazine. It was a Sunday insert, uh-huh. full color. And I started writing for them in 82. Wow. And then in 88, I started writing for the Daily. Yeah. And uh, yeah. shortly thereafter, Marty Hughley became the art, yeah. uh, the music uh, critic yeah. and uh, gave the assignments and and Marty uh, made it possible for me to write quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's always somebody who, who uh, gives you an opportunity. I've right. always been lucky to get opportunities, uh, but I realize that it's always just luck yeah. that, that gets them for you. Of course. <laughs> right place, right time, yeah. you know, hang out with yeah. the right people, whatever. Right. It's the same in music. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, I always, when I was back in New York uh, going to grad school, I had the opportunity to meet famous writers. But uh-huh. I remember Judith Christ, uh, uh, the New Yorker uh-huh. uh, theater critic, I yeah, think, or sure. movie? Movie critic. Movie critic. And, uh, and, uh, and I remember being in her home, and, and you know, was, these are big <laughs> chances for 22, 23-year-old. And yeah. all I can really recall from the evening is that they had this bathroom floor that was glass brick and lighted from below and <laughs> I spent a lot of time in there throwing up oh and, no <laughs> with some Cuban meal I'd eaten uh, before but I didn't you know, get invited back to that blew place. my chance and, and generally uh, I found out I've I've I've, I've learned that if, if you throw up in someone's house they don't invite you back exactly <laughs> well I was cl- I cleaned it up it doesn't matter <laughs> so anyway uh, you know you have lots of opportunities I've just been lucky yeah well, luck, you know, obviously luck has a lot to do with it. Um, I, 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 when I landed on these shores in 97, um, of course, I had had already had a long career in Baltimore. Right. You know, and so, and I, and I, and I got here armed with a couple of stories already that I, that were ready to go. That oh, I, that, I see. That I ready sold, to be published. I had sold, uh-huh. I had sold in, in, in Baltimore, you know, and I was 
thrilled to get in the in the living section of the, of the Oregonian. Right, it right. It was an amazing. It was an amazing section. It was so good. Yes, it was well edited, and yeah. they reached a lot of readers in yeah. those days too. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the best uh, written papers in the country Absolutely. in the nineties. I would Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so, but I wasn't. I, I I was doing some music, but I was doing other stories too uh -huh. for that section. Had to. Yeah. 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 I, I did a story once. I did a story on on. Um, uh, a car dealership that was selling like a, they had like an eighteen dollar car. Like, <laughs> That's good. 18, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was just a ruse. You know, they 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 they, they you yes, were there, to and bring then you, you had in. to like, they wouldn't let you into the into into the, into the, onto the lot and, until every, everybody was ready. And then they opened. It. Then you had to go find the. There were two oh, yeah. cars at that uh -huh. price. You had to go find them and. It was pretty funny, but uh, that stuff like that. Um, yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I, I've always thought that that uh, we, you and I, had completely different styles, but that it was a good. It was a they in the paper. They kind of complemented each other because you're the you, you're the more studious, analytical, you know. Kind of, and I'm just all I'm just wild and all over the place. You know? Well, not necessarily, Tom. Oh, <laughs> Certainly, so. you have studied and know a well, lot, I don't know way anything. more than me, as a matter of so. fact. I don't think so. You may not display it. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't think I do. Uh, it's kind of uh, like radio too. You know, each each radio host yes. has uh, his or yeah. her different yeah. uh, approach yeah. and. Uh, you don't want to listen to the same guy all day long. Yeah. Yeah. So That's variety true. is That's good true. and let a thousand flowers yes. bloom, right? That's what we <laughs> grew up believing. So it was good because you know then that in that way uh, I didn't think that we were although we were covering a lot of the same people I didn't think we were competing with each other because we definitely had contrasting styles. The nice thing about the nice thing about the uh, jazz scene and or the whole music scene yeah. and uh, and related topics uh, at that time in the early 2000s I suppose this went up till almost the financial crash of 2007 when everything stopped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was going it was changing before that but nevertheless the scene was so rich and varied mm -hmm. that because they chose to focus on the arts, although we never felt it was enough, right. the the local press, uh, and that for a while included the Oregon Journal before it was mm -hmm. absorbed, and Willamette Week as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they they there was a lot to cover, and th there were yeah. a lot of different aspects of the scene, and it changed over time, mm -hmm. and uh, and it was really a rich scene. It still is today. It just isn't covered in the same way it used to be. I, I'm not so sure it's as rich as it used to be. Ah, has changed, you think? I think so. I think so. And that's because of the economic conditions it, changing It's because here? of the economic conditions, the fact that um, the number of, of uh, music venues has dropped. Yes, precipitously. Yeah, for all kinds of music. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, and uh, so it's um, you know I, I, I don't I, I wish it I wish it were but yeah but I so I, I kind of staked out also I mean I was I was I was covering jazz but I kind of staked out uh, the um, March fourth Noah Mickens uh, yes right. side of things mm -hmm. yeah well you know that's uh, the, the party music and uh, yeah. you, you know you've always favored the New Orleans uh, and New guys Orleans as yeah. well you know yeah. and yeah. that's uh, there's another rich field, and the March 4th marching band is another example of some homegrown Absolutely. kind of thing that has yeah. had national appeal. Yeah. yeah, I believe they tour a lot, don't they? They're always on the road. Yeah, always on the road. They, and they got they needed a new bus, 
and they got thirty thousand dollars like that on Kickstarter. Ah, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of fans. <laughs> they don't have they? an enormous uh -huh. amount of fans. Well, there's something uh, that all musicians, all entertainers, can learn from those people, yeah. and that is, yeah. you know, march the people into the gig. Yes. You know, really. Yes. <laughs> Spectacle is big. Oh, very. Spectacle very is big. important. Very big. Uh, audience and, engagement. And yes. Yes, and scantily clad women with hula hoops helps. <laughs> that helps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say dancers are good. Yes. <laughs> um, so, okay, did you you bring something to read? Well, I uh, I can read uh, I can read a little bit, but have haven't we gone too long? No. Oh, okay. Uh -uh. So, how about I read? Uh, you know, Duke Ellington was. Uh, this is fairly short. Duke Ellington... It length doesn't matter here, okay? Okay, well, yeah, <laughs> all right. So Duke Ellington was, uh, had, a, had an interesting uh, a relationship with Portland over the years. He uh -huh. first came in 1933, and um, th at, that uh, at that time, he was traveling in his private rail car. <laughs> and so when I learned about this, uh, it was always in my mind... Uh, I had this picture of these Pullman cars yeah. that they were in. And then one day I was walking on Southeast Ivon Street down uh -huh. there near where the Opera Building is yeah. and everything, yeah. and there were three Pullman cars oh on a siding. So I had this whole image of Duke yeah. Ellington in Oregon because this is where he wrote the song Warm Valley. Yeah. So here's the story about that song. I call it Freedom Ride Through a Warm Valley. I dreamed I saw Duke Ellington, alive as you or me, in his private rail car on a siding near Ivon Street. Hey Duke, what'd you find, I asked, when you came to Oregon? A warm valley, he answered, and people who opened their hearts to me. So every time I past three old Pullman cars on that siding in Portland today. I remember all the times Duke was in a dangerous Oregon country and the beauty in the song Warm Valley, his reverie of ease inspired by this landscape. In 1934, he was traveling like the president, he said, in two private sleepers and a 70-foot baggage car rented to tour with dignity, a country segregated at that time by race. We commanded respect, he said, of the 20 black men traveling in private rail cars, just like the president. Heading out of Portland along the Willamette River, Duke gazed at foothills of the Cascade Mountains and saw a woman reclining there free and easy, her warm valley so welcoming he said that he sketched the contours of her body in sound in Spanish they translate the title as Valle Amoroso Valley of Love where he dreamed the sound of a woman's body and Duke was free to dream you see when he was traveling like the president a private man in the majesty of a private rail car where he was free to think of music only. So those three Pullman cars on a siding in Portland today evoke dreams of Duke Ellington. Welcomed here, 
by the community sitting in with locals and playing McElroy's ballroom on his birthday when the Duke Ellington Orchestra came to town with dancer Anne Henry. Now she later became a Broadway star then moved to Portland, the city she first saw with Duke to compose the music that Duke Ellington played at Mount Angel Abbey on his return to those Willamette Valley foothills in 1970 when he didn't need a private car to be treated like the president. Warm Valley, his reverie of beauty and ease in a dangerous country, captures in sound the soft afternoon light through the window of a private rail car, like those on a siding here today, evoking dreams of Duke Ellington, looking at the foothills of the Cascade Mountains and thinking of music only. Beautiful. Ah, thank you. Beautiful. What is that from? That's from Rhythm in the Rain, ah. Jazz in the Pacific oh, that's Northwest. From the new book. That's my book, yeah. Oh. It's one of several stories, uh -huh. and uh, a number of these I've recorded with live music because uh -huh. I've done a lot of uh, yeah. performances, yeah. and uh, there'll be a link down here yeah. to, um, to some SoundCloud files for audio and mm -hmm. some videos I've made of those performances also. So if we were to put one of those videos that are available now at the bottom of this story, which yeah. one would Well, we could use that one right there. That well, we've already heard it. <laughs> you want another one? Oh, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, let's yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, I, um, well, that's okay. Make it, we'll, we'll make it a surprise. Well, I guess so. Yeah, okay, yeah. let's do that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, for Portland and Pacific Northwest musicians, I don't have as many. Uh -huh. uh, I, I have great stories, uh, audio versions about Warren Bracken, Nancy King, oh, Nancy Jim King. Pepper. Wow! But I haven't made videos. Talk of about those. rich material for no stories. No kidding. Yeah, Jim Jeez. Pepper. Now we haven't yeah. even touched on Jim. Right. Or Nancy. And Nancy yeah. as well. You yeah. know what are these? Uh, these are the great, uh, the giants of the Pacific Northwest uh, jazz scene. Right. Uh, and especially Jim Pepper had such a profound impact uh, on uh, this area as yeah. well as nationally and yeah. one yeah. of the only Native American jazz performers to really integrate yeah. Yeah. Uh, his culture into the music. Yeah. You know the Nancy King, Ella Fitzgerald ghost story? I've heard <laughs> that one, right? No, I don't know if I have. Oh, I probably geez. have. Yes. It's Nancy was, was going to kill herself and and Ella came to her in a dream. You got to you got to get her to tell that story one time. Okay. And um, you know, and convinced her not to kill herself. Oh, so well, good. She told me this in a in a little, little diner, right? And it was like she was telling me for the first time. And she she like would tap my hand and and she would and she personalized it. Yeah. So uh -huh. as as if to tell me don't. Don't ever think about killing yourself because oh. Ella Fitzgerald was so inspiring to her in this dream, and it, and it, and she didn't kill herself, and 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 so she finishes the story, and the waiter comes by and she goes, you "Just told me Ella Fitzgerald's story." <laughs> it was like, it was like she was telling it to, to when it was like she was telling it for the first time. Yeah, well, that's she, a performer. Isn't well, that's it? what I Beautiful. mean. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think uh -huh. I, I think I made that point in some piece I wrote. That's like, oh. 
this is how she can be great every time she sings. Yep, yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yep, you gotta gotta uh, live it, live it all over yeah, again every yeah, time. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. true. Isn't that weird? It is. Oh, Nancy King. Oh, if we could do that as writers, then oh, how much better we would be, huh? <laughs> well, I, I always wonder when, it, you know, when, when am I repeating myself and when am I not, you know? So what, when is that book uh, coming out? Yes, indeed. In fact, we can include a link for pre-orders. Hey! Yes, February All 2016. Right. All right. Good. Yeah, good. Thank you. You going to do some release gigs? Yes, Wednesday the 24th of February at Classic mm-hmm. Pianos. Oh, nice. A performance, a reading, and a book signing. And who's, play, it's gonna, who, who's playing? Uh, Tom Grant's going to play with me. Very Tom good. has a beautiful piece in this book uh-huh. about Jim Pepper because ah. Tom worked with Jim. In fact, yeah. uh, Jim was a guy who, Jim and Ron Steen dragged Tom out of the high school teaching job in Mill City, Oregon, <laughs> and brought him to Portland again, <laughs> where he became a jazz player. Wow. I think one of the great losses is that Jack Berry never got to finish the Jim Pepper book. Yes, someone should finish that. Someone should finish that. Yes, yeah. that's a pretty important book. Yeah. yeah. And Jim was a, you know, what did Gordon Lee call him? The brother I never wanted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that's, that's <laughs> but funny. you know he had a profound impact on oh, Gordon's yeah. music yeah, and yeah, his yeah. concept and everything. Yeah, yeah. And Glenn Moore, Glenn worked with Jim. Sure. They were in the little band, uh, touring band sponsored by the Oregonian called the Young Oregonians when they were in high school. Yep. <laughs> touring the state of Oregon and and uh, Jim would uh, do two dances during the fl- during the show. Uh-huh. One was a tap dance. <laughs> in a tuxedo, yeah. then he'd change into full tribal wow. dress and do, uh, uh, I don't know which of his heritage, uh, car or creek yeah. uh, that he uh, performed, but he would do an, uh, a Native American dance wow. as well. Wow. Oh, man, I miss Jack Berry. Yes, you and know, Jack, Jack was another important uh, person absolutely. Uh, who helped to chronicle, yeah, uh, yeah. and he, he was an archivist at OPB as yep. well. Yep. Uh, I, when, when he started writing for Oregon Music News, I, I'll never forget, because I, I worked with him at OPB. Oh, and, I see. You know, mm-hmm. and um, got to know him a little bit. I, didn't know, I really didn't know anything about him before that, because he, he, he had stopped writing you know, years and years before that, you know, yes. before I got here. Right. And I didn't realize... Uh, how, how great how great he was, <laughs> and and I, and I asked him if he was interested in in, in writing, you know, because I mean I knew his history by then, mm-hmm. and he said he said yeah I want to write a piece on Oregon, right, the band. Yes, I remember reading that. And one. I mm-hmm. got it. I'll never forget. I just sat there and went, "This is why I started Oregon Music News." Oh, wonderful! You know, this is this is it. This is the reason, and I valued every word he ever sent me. What a guy. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He was so funny. Very funny guy. I, I remember reading, he, I remember him showing me reviews he wrote, for, movie reviews he wrote for the Oregonian, and he was scathing. Ah. Oh. He was hilarious. Uh-huh. You know? Uh, and, and, uh, and he was the only, he was the first guy I ever heard. He called himself, you know, uh, just being self-effacing in the story, a stove-in mope. <laughs> That's a great line. It's a great one of the great r- descriptive phrases in history, and I I try to use it whenever I can. <laughs> I'm thinking these days. I'm thinking, well, maybe I'm a stove-in mope now. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, you got to have your own uh, descriptor uh, with that kind of language. Well, but it's nice to. It, 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 I I, I want to keep it alive. I want because apparently it was not an unusual phrase. From back in the day, yeah, his yeah, day. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah mope. Yeah, uh, but a stove-in mope. Yeah, that's Which is too. even better. Mope mm-hmm. is bad enough. <laughs> but if you're a mope and you're stove-in. I know, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, man. sort of like a broken down wagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you listening to these days? Well, uh, you know, I just, I was given a Hector Lavoie yeah? uh, uh, box set, you know, wow. so I've been listening to the music of Puerto Rico wow. in, the, in its 70s. Uh, uh-huh. uh, and, uh, I, you know, I've always liked that Fania mm-hmm. period uh, mm-hmm. of that boogaloo to salsa. Yeah. Latin jazz, boogaloo, salsa area, and uh, so I listen to a lot of Latin music, uh, 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 even Mexican pop. Really? Know, not the umpa. Yeah. No, not the Norteño <laughs> stuff so much yeah, as yeah, the yeah. you know the other stuff uh-huh. uh, that they uh, make so well. And oh, you know, I I have a few uh, African. Uh, Bands that I like to listen to, I keep going back to these old ones. You know, the mm-hmm. who are the specialists in all styles and uh, the something Baobab Orchestra Baobab. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, Ethiopian. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I somebody just gave me um, uh, some, just gave me a bunch of CDs, and in that was like three or four of those Ethiopian soul collections. Yeah, those are good. Ethiopics. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Right, so there's a bunch of African and Latin American stuff, and then I try to listen to. As I was, I was uh, the editor of Jazz Scene, and so I received many, many publicists' yeah. uh, downloads and uh, mm-hmm. hard copies, and so I've pretty much got a pretty good sense of everything that's been coming out in jazz in the last eight years. Yeah. And, Within that, I find the few little things that I really like, and yeah. so I've been listening to a, a CD by a guy named Aaron Irwin, a New York uh-huh. uh, wind uh, reed player. Uh-huh. Uh, I've liked that a lot, and uh, you know, uh, I've just listened to George Colligan's new CD on which he sings, and it must be something in the water here. Do you think? Because. Daryl Grant moves out here. I know. New York piano player. Yeah. As soon as he gets here, a couple of years later, he's singing on his CDs. Yeah. George is here. Yeah. Five years later, he's singing on his CDs. Yeah. Yeah. George has had. George got a bad reaction at the Joe Bar to his singing. Did he? Yes. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, that's what you get. It's a, it's a, it's a risky endeavor, isn't it? Is. It? it uh, is. But so I'm just listening to George's new one, and uh, th- there's so many. So many. Hey. I guess no one can hear. Well, it's okay. Oh, okay. We're good. in a coffee shop. Hi, Susie. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so I've listened to I listen to most of the new stuff yeah. that comes out. Yeah. Are you no longer editor? I've just passed it on to Ryan Marr. Really? Mm-hmm. The guitar player. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. I'm feeling lighter. Uh, good. Yeah, I'm trying to do the same thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, I Our am. retirement, Tom. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I wouldn't say that because I don't want to, I'm not going to stop. No, you know. I, I, what I, I should say is different. it's good to move on. Yes. And uh, yeah. I had a college teacher once who told me that I should do something new, something completely different every five years. Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah. I'm working on that now. It took yeah. me a while. Yeah. Well, lucky for me, I've, you know, since I've, I, you know, I've, sometimes I've been in television, sometimes I've been in radio, sometimes I've been friends. Variety. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that, um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, th th there's always something else to go to. Yes, you know, yes, you know, uh, yes, uh, always more yeah. to and, learn. And, 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 you know, we're both having fun with the radio. And more software to learn, Tom. Yes. Anytime you want to do something new, <laughs> hey, here's a new program. It's true. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much. This You're has welcome. been fun. My pleasure, and, Tom. Uh, you what, know, a, we'll, what a good time we had. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye.